Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you are blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church and its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to redchurch.org.au. We're in a series um, at the moment, Priest, Prophet, King. And if you're joining us for the first time, I encourage you to listen to last week's um, Mark Looked at Priest, I Am Going to Look at Prophet. Um, and yeah, real privilege to bring this. Uh, but I, before I start speaking, I just want to say, I feel like God is already up to something, right, this morning. Um, and he's brought you here for a reason. And I can preach, um, but I'm more excited about what God wants to say this morning, what he wants to do. And I was reminded, you know, when things like this are happening and God's moving in different ways, that actually it's not about what I say or don't say or how well I do it or how elegant my words are. And it reminded me of Paul um, in 1 Corinthians. They didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom, but actually the preaching was not done with wise or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So this morning, that's my prayer, that he would move through these words. So week two, looking at what it means um, to be a prophet, to be prophets, what was Jesus like as a prophet? I want to explore that. Um, If you look at the next slide, you'll see we are kind of covering, yeah, all these different Basically, offices is kind of the way to describe it, the way that Jesus emulated this, the character that he brought, the way that he lived it out. Um, And so this week, looking at prophet, and as Mark said last week, priest and prophet had some really interesting connotations, those words. King, probably we're a little bit more used to because we don't have a lot of representation of that necessarily in our regular worlds. But prophet, there are so many current modern prophets who are telling us the best way to live life And they are some people who are, you know, writing books or maybe TED Talks. They've got the latest thing of how to to be the best person, how to live the best life. I also think of our digital influencers. They're almost like prophets, you know. This is the best way to live. This is where the world's heading. If you follow me, your life will be fulfilled. That sense of a prophet being someone who's ahead, who sees something, who's calling something out and who lives in a different way. But all of these prophets, whether they're left, right, whatever they're pushing, also sharing, it's really just echoing the idols of our Western society of individualism, immediacy, and comfort, to be honest. (laughs) We are in a sea of floating rhetoric. It's just constant words and opinions and ideas and thoughts and ways to live. Endless campaigns of change to come. And yet the people that say these words or the things that they proclaim, it's weird, it's almost like it's just out of their mouth and then their behaviour contradicts it. And I'm tired of being let down by that. There is such a gap between intention and action. We're in an age of misinformation, which we've heard before, but it really is becoming exhausting. The message and messages are, the messenger and message are at odds. And it's leaving us as a generation, that means us as a people of God at this point, anxious and confused, and we're desiring truth, which is actually a good place to be. We're seeking that. And so I think we're a generation, again, people of God, when I use that word generation, who is ripe, not just seeking to know the truth, but to see it. I think that's the point we're at. 
not just to hear more about it, but to actually live it out. And so I want to talk about Jesus as a prophet. I want to look at the biblical explanation of that because I believe we're not called to just speak like prophets, but to live like prophets. And that's essentially what I felt led to preach on. And so let's look at it scripturally. Let's go to the word. The first time the word prophet is used is actually in Genesis 20, and it's attributed to Abraham. Has anyone ever considered Abraham a prophet? Maybe? Yeah. Yep. I think Moses is probably the most common one that we go to, and that makes sense because he is actually one of the most significant prophets in the Old Testament. And so I want to look at him talking about that in Deuteronomy 18, 15 to 22. So this is kind of like a descriptor of what a prophet is, biblically speaking. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, so this is Moses speaking to the Israelites, from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire See this great fire anymore or we will die. The Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. It's a great, clear definition of what it is to be a prophet and what they're called to do. Essentially, when you do boil it down, a prophet is someone who speaks the words of God given to them. That's it. And if we're going to be really technical, the first prophet, if you use that definition, was Adam in the garden. He heard God's voice and he was meant to pass that on and to say that without it being changed. Eve slightly altered it, so it didn't quite go to plan. But essentially, a prophet is someone who speaks the words God gives him to say, not what they believe it is to be. And they're set apart by God. You see this throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. People like Moses, Isaiah, we get to hear about his call in Isaiah 6 and what it was like for him to be drawn into that role as a prophet. Think of Jeremiah, Amos, Ezekiel. All of these prophets, something that's really interesting is they all wrestled with this call. It wasn't something they had thought they'd be walking into or planned. Elijah comes up in 1 Kings 17. And he, you don't know his call story, but he kind of just pops up all of a sudden in the narrative. And he's called to lead and speak to the kings at that time. The kings have been leading Israel, God's people, to worship Baal. And so he's come to say, no, turn away from that and turn back to him. And do you know, I never noticed, but one of the first things Elijah does is actually raise someone from the dead. Wow. And so these prophets, they hear the words of God. They come to bring us back to that truth, but also they come with signs and wonders. Amos. I thought I'd give a little bit of voice to some of the lesser prophets. We're so used to hearing some of the major ones. I feel sorry for them. So Amos. If you've never read Amos, he's a great guy. He has his own little book. And he was um, around at the time when Israel had been divided into north and south. So they were like, the Israelites had come to 
David and just being like, well, which part's ours? Which part is ours? And so they divided up the kingdom. And so it was north and south. And so Amos was um, a prophet of Israel for the northern kingdom. And he was calling out the people of Israel to return to God so they would not go in to exile. That was his message. That was the thing God had asked him to say. And as I was reading in Amos, in chapter 7, he just shares. You get to hear about how this call came about. It says, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd, and I also took care of the sycamore trees. But the Lord took me from my tending the flock and said to me, go, prophesy to my people, Israel. God uses ordinary people, people who didn't have an intention of being a leader or standing out or having to come forward and speak of something that is yet to come. Amos was just a shepherd. But he was called to speak to the northern kingdom. Whether they listened to it or not, he was called to be bold in that. Don't discount what God might call you to or how he may use you. And finally, Ezekiel. He's a bit of a fun one and a bit of a weird one. If you read some of his books, pretty out there. Um, he had a really dramatic call from God. He had a vision. Often prophets have visions. They have words. They have feelings and senses. Like Jeremiah lived out a lot of his prophecy. He was doing some interesting things like putting a rope in a rock to see what would happen with the weather. And Jesus, God brought him back to talk to him about it. They live as symbols of the kingdom and they enact God's message as well as speak it. So we've got all these prophets, all these examples. Ezekiel is the guy who was actually called to be a priest. And then he's taken into exile into Babylon and God says, I will make you a prophet now. This man of God who spent hours with God in the temple is now called to speak on behalf of him. Another link for prophets. They spend time with God and then they come out of that space and declare his message. Ezekiel had a complete change from priest to prophet. And again, the call, it's so, so simple and so much of God. It says in Ezekiel 2, 1 to 4, He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. He said, Son of man, I'm sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that has been rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I'm sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Woo! Exciting! (laughs) And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. The prophet comes with a different agenda. It's God's. He's called. They're all called in different ways, out of their context, to be a representation of God's kingdom in life and in their words. And their focus is always participating in God's redemptive plan. If you read it over and over again, you see that. And so the Old Testament has these beautiful images, all these prophets that pop up. There's so many more. I definitely nerded out and got way too deep in this, looking at all the prophets. But it's fascinating, and you should definitely check it out sometime. But let's come back to this. It says in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, as I read before, that the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. God is saying, look for a prophet. I'm going to send someone who is like you. And when he's saying that, he's speaking about Moses. And the difference between Moses and some of these other prophets, there's two main things. He spoke face to face with God. Remember when he's up on the mountain and he has that encounter with God and his face is glowing? 
He argues with God. He speaks with God face to face. And he also does signs and wonders. Moses participated in so many signs and wonders. And so we're looking for a prophet like that, who has that intimacy and relationship with God, but also who manifests and brings the kingdom. Moses didn't quite make it, did he? What did he do? He took God's word and altered it. And as we read in Deuteronomy, that is not what a prophet is designed to do. And so we read the Old Testament hungry for that prophet to arrive, someone to fulfill that. It's almost like this silhouette that's kind of popped there. And all these other prophets come along and they don't quite fit in. So you get to the end of the Old Testament and you're waiting. And that was a long time that the Israelites waited. There were many years, many years that they hoped and prayed for a prophet. The first century Israelites were looking for this promise. And then Jesus arrives. Called by God like the Old Testament prophets. You can see so many echoes. I'll just point them out for you. As soon as Jesus was baptized in Matthew 3, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. He's being called out and sent out. His ministry begins at that moment. Think again of the transfiguration, a little bit further along. He goes up onto the mountain, just like Moses. And who does he meet when he's up there? What prophets are up there with him? Pardon? Elijah and Moses. Excellent. Well done. It wasn't a trick question. Elijah and Moses, what does that mean? Elijah raised someone from the dead. That was the first thing we hear about of his, life, of his ministry. Moses spoke face to face with God. And then there's Jesus, and they're all here together. These people that were promised to bring God's kingdom and didn't quite make it, and Jesus meets with him, an affirmation of Jesus as prophet. And then there's Peter up there freaking out, being like, oh my goodness, it's Moses, Elijah, Jesus, what do we do? And he wants to put up temples and wants to remain in that moment and be like, this is so good. Like, how can we keep this here? And then God intervenes. Bless Peter. He said, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Same affirmation at baptism, now at the transfiguration, as he stands before prophets of old, listen to him. This is the one you've been waiting for. He's here. This is the prophet that will bring the truth, that represent my kingdom and see it take place. And we know that Jesus fulfills that. He spoke face to face with God. It says in John 1, he was the word and the word was with God. He has that relationship with God. Moses delivered Israel out of Egypt. Jesus delivered not just the Israelites, but all people from the power of sin and death. He is the greatest prophet. He's greater than Moses. And he's still with us today. His life, death, and resurrection has restored these beautiful offices that actually we as a people are called to live by. He's restored humanity back to that and made it possible for us 
to meet with God, for us to hear from him, for us to be shaped by his word, for us to go out, for us to proclaim the kingdom. We are designed to do that. And it's by Jesus' death and resurrection that that is possible. The prophet that got it right, the prophet that didn't change God's word, even though he suffered for it. And so we fast forward. We're looking at a biblical explanation. We're kind of traveling through that narrative, which is a part of our story, and we get to Acts, the final part of explaining this understanding of what it means to be not just a prophet but a community that has a prophetic ministry. Because how is the church birthed? By an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's always connected to the prophets. You'll see it time and again if you look at Numbers 11. It's when Moses cried out. He couldn't lead anymore on his own. And God spread his spirit across other leaders to lead the nation. And then in Acts, we see the Holy Spirit pouring out on the people that Jesus has gathered and has called to be a prophetic community. We waited for Jesus to come. He fulfilled that. And he made it possible for us to now fulfill that call. But do you know how it happens? It happens collectively. It's not an individual call. It's actually a collective group of people that then represent Jesus as prophet. I think we use the word so much in relation to the church, but the body of Christ. We're meant to not just speak the kingdom, but to actually live like it and to represent it as a group of people. We are the body of Christ as we sit together. And no matter where you go when you turn up into a church, that's what it is. It's choosing that identity as a prophetic community. Do you realize you carry that? You are a part of that. You are called to that. And Holy Spirit empowers you to do that. On Acts Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out. Just before that, The uh, 12 are in the upper room and they're praying and Holy Spirit comes with fire. We've heard so much of this recently. He comes with fire and he fills each of the apostles and they speak in different tongues. And then people in Jerusalem gathered for a festival and these um, apostles end up out on the streets and all the people there, all the Jews that have arrived in Jerusalem to worship are hearing their language, are hearing something of the kingdom that they've never heard before from these men that are just so average. (laughs) There's something powerful in that because Holy Spirit brings unity. What's happening? He's unifying people in that moment. I know your voice. I know I can speak to you and I'm drawing you closer. I can speak to you in your language and the way that you hear things. You each have a place. Some believed they'd had too much wine. I think some were uncomfortable, right? It was probably a bit weird. And sometimes we get like that with Holy Spirit. We talked about it today. But I want to read Acts 2, 14 to 18, because Peter stood and said this over the church, and it's still true now. So, yeah, he stood with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. It's the same spirit. What we're seeing in Asbury is an outpouring of the spirit. It's the same. This is what it is to be God's people, to cry out, to desire to see his kingdom come, to be vessels, to be men and women, young and old, who desperately need God. The Israelites in Egypt cried out to God and he came to them. In Asbury, we're seeing Generation Z, have you said? They're crying out. They are desperate for him and he is answering. There is a hunger. It's not for their own glory. It's because they know they need him, just as the Israelites did in Egypt, just as they did in Babylon, just as they did in the New Testament, and just as we can do now because we are the same people that needs the same God to move and he doesn't withhold his spirit. It says in this, in this prophetic uttering that we are called to be a people who see God, who speak of who he is, and to live that message. It's the birth of the church, and we are called to come back to that time and again and called to actively receive this collective identity. We are so good at thinking about this individually, but I really want to hone in on this today that this is about a collective expression Prophecy and the gift of prophecy is totally a valid thing and there's, that comes and that's something you can seek. In fact, Paul said you should eagerly desire it. And if you want to know more, Mark actually did a great sermon on this in 2019 on August 18th. We looked it up on 19th. You can check it out. If you're really interested in understanding prophecy, that's, that's a little bit different to what I'm talking about. But what I'm saying here is there will be prophecy amongst us because the Holy Spirit's here. But we are called as a prophetic community to receive this message and to live it out. And that requires all of us, every person in this room. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how long you've followed Jesus. If you're not following him yet, if it's been ages, you are called. He wants you here in this time. So just to go into my classic sermon moment, I've got three points. They are three traits and behaviors of a prophetic community. From what we've learned from the Old Testament, New Testament, what happened in Acts, I want to just highlight those things because this is important. If we are called to this, how how do we do this though? What does this look like? So as we look back, there are three things that prophetic ministry collectively expressed looks like. We are a people who bring reconciliation, we're a people of relationship, and we're a people of restoration. We're not doing those things, but we bring the God that does and declare the God that does. So first one, reconciliation. The prophets called people back to God. That was often what they were doing. People had gone to Baal or to other worshipping other things, and they were like, no, come back to God. This is the God that actually saved you and knows you. This is the God of your ancestors. Come back to me. When Jesus came, he changed that. It was still come back to me, but as you read in Amos, there was judgment if you didn't. Jesus changed that. He still calls us to come back. But come back to reconciliation through repentance. 
no matter where you've been, I'll say it again because I believe it's true and believe God has asked me to say this. God wants your heart. He wants you to come back, all of you, if you have wandered, whatever that has looked like, because he loves you. And it's not out of judgment. It's not condemnation. Holy Spirit is a part of conviction and showing you the ways that life is not walking in alignment with God and where there isn't life. He shows you that so you can walk free of that. He is calling you. And the key thing with a prophet is you have to live your message before you can speak it. What does it look like for you to receive and participate in that reconciliation with all of your heart? Not foot in both camps, not, oh, well, this happened to me in the past, so I can't really come forward or I'm afraid of what will happen. Actually, just a boldness to go, God, I know I haven't followed you fully. I repent of that and I choose your truth. I come back to you and who you are and your way because that is the way to life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come back to him. And so the behavior is confession and repentance, continually returning to that space to give God all of your heart as we're called to love him with our heart, mind, soul, and spirit. So first, the prophetic community, we are called to be, to participate in reconciliation with God and also offer that to others, to speak his grace and love to others so that they return to him as well. Number two, relationship. We are a people of relationship. The prophets, as I shared, spent time in God's presence. They were caught up in visions and in these experiences with God. You know what you can't detach from a prophet? Prayer. Prayer is so essential to the prophet. If you see it throughout scripture, being with God, hearing God, praying, declaring, speaking that out. Why do you think we're pressing into prayer so much? This is a part of what we're called to Again, collectively, he calls us into that relationship. Brian Heasley put it so well when he talked about our faith. In that sense, we're designed to breathe in with God, to take that in, to sit in prayer and worship and just honour him and to also breathe out, to let that go out. And the prophet does that. It comes before God. Jeremiah spent hours with him. He didn't know what was happening next. God would instruct him and he would just return to his presence and then he would go out and do whatever God had asked him and return. We are designed to do that, to breathe in, to be in relationship. So our behavior is worship and prayer. As a prophetic community, we're designed to worship and pray. Abraham Heschel said that the task of the prophet is to convey the word of God. Yet the word is aglow with the pathos. One cannot understand the word without sensing the pathos and one could not impassion others and remain unstirred. You cannot separate God and his word. I also want to be clear, it's, it is good and it's good to seek prophecy and fresh words from God and he loves to speak to us, but he has also already spoken his word is alive. And when we come back to it, it shapes us and it imprints something on us. That's what Abraham Heschel's talking about. The pathos, who God is, is in his word. Jesus was in the word and with the word. It's spending time with him. And there's this, this thing that happens that as we sit in his word, we are shaped into the imprint of a prophet who then lives out the word. It's a beautiful and rich thing. 
So we're people of reconciliation. We're people of relationship. And finally, the prophetic community is designed to be a people of restoration. Participating with God in his work to reform. And again, this is not us with the best ideas, what we think should go right or how we should run church or how we should run society. Actually, there were prophets were alive with the word of God. And that is what brought the reform and the change. They were set apart to recognize his heart, to speak that, and to understand his grief of the injustice in the world. I think at the moment sometimes we get so caught up in, this feels weird to say, but I think politicizing justice. Actually, we're called to come back to God. Where is your heart? Where is there injustice and how do we stand as your community to bring your kingdom to that space, not for our own agenda, not for anything else, but to see your kingdom come? Collective obedience to God's word, to listening to his heart, to offering the kingdom, to walking the other direction as the society brings reform. That's what brings change. That's what Israel was called to be. You will be a nation that is represented to all the other nations of who I am. It's the same. We're prophetically designed to live differently, to be an image of the kingdom and things to come so that people see it and want more. And so what's the behavior in this one of restoration? It's collectively listening. How is God getting our attention? What is staring in you? What is bringing you perhaps agitation, as I described at the start of the service, or grief, or a sense of, God, I just want to see this change. He stirs our hearts around injustice, and it's the same as his. And it doesn't need to be every injustice. We can get understandably so overwhelmed. There's things happening in our family. There's things happening in our neighborhood, in our city. Then there's the things happening in other countries. We can't answer it, and we're not meant to. He is. But what is he asking us to genuinely grieve with him, lament over, pray into, focus on? Where is he imparting his justice in the world and asking us to carry that and speak that out? How do we collectively listen as Red Church? What is he saying? What is he wanting us to take notice of? That, as Brian Heasley talked about, is breathing out. How do you participate with that? That can look different. That can be serving in the community. That can have many forms. But let's not run ahead to just find all these things to get involved in. God, what is your heart right now? And what are your people, whether they're in this room right now or not, what do they need of you? Teach me, shape my life so I may walk and live that, not just speak it, that we would do that together. going to end. And as Mark shared, as we've talked about this morning, it's been a bit different today. And I had a sense in an image while I was preparing this message, a reminded I often see in images, that's how God speaks to me, that what he's doing with us as the church across the world that includes us here in Melbourne, and also with your faith, is he is bringing greater definition. Almost like when you sketch. Imagine with me when you're sketching, 
and you put down a line and it's, it's not quite right. And so you rub it out and then you're adding more definition in other areas and shading and highlighting. Sometimes you add a line and it brings meaning to a different part of the image that you hadn't even anticipated. I believe actually that's what God's doing with us as a church and with your faith. He's rubbing out things that are not of him, shaping you, forming you. That is from the past. He's saying, let me take that off. But also, look here, this is what I want to define of who I am. I want you to look at this. I want to highlight this in you. And it feels a bit uncomfortable because we don't actually know this. But there's something beautiful in it, and I believe that's what God's doing, and that's what it means to be a prophetic community. His word shapes us, not us. We don't read his word and bring definition on our own and work it out and try and shape ourselves. He does that work, and I believe he's doing that as a church, but also with your faith. And do you know what? It might feel a bit uncomfortable. The prophets lived really uncomfortable lives. I'm sorry, but it's true. Jeremiah lost his friends. His family spoke against him. Ezekiel, I feel like it's Ezekiel, and if I get it wrong, please correct me. At the start of his ministry, um, his wife passed away and God said to him, I want you to grieve this way regarding that because you are going to model how Israel will grieve when they are in exile. Imagine that, living out prophetically that message. We are called to do the same. And this doesn't mean, I'm not saying it to intimidate, I'm saying it to be like, there is significance to what you do and it might feel uncomfortable, but it's good and it is of God and this world needs it and this world is looking for it. One other final thought. Been listening, as I said, to different things. We have been looking at the Asbury stuff and really seeking God and I listened to the Pete Gregg um, video that the Rebuilders crew did, which was fantastic. And then I also listened to John Tyson, who was speaking about revival. And he quoted Timothy Keller. Anyway, long link of quotes, essentially. I have a quote here from Jonathan Edwards, who's a revivalist preacher and philosopher of the 18th century. And this is what he said about revival. As we're talking about Asbury, as we're seeking it here, as we're wanting to be this prophetic community, what does it actually mean? And I really loved it. He says, revival is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit which restores the people of God to normal spiritual life. We are living an abnormal Christianity, everyone. I am hungry for more, and I can hear it in this room and sense it in the room that you are too, for a normal Christianity. And what does that look like? John Tyson said, it's like the church in Acts. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, being led, going out to the nations from there. That's what happened, remember? The word, the gospel was sent from that space out. When the rest of the world looks at Australia and the church, what do they see? I feel confronted by this question. Are people in comfort? Happy to turn up? Also happy to go to the beach? I think God wants more, and I actually think you do too. What if we, as the church in Australia, stepped into that 
desired to have what will seem like an abnormal or a normal spiritual life, to be filled by the Spirit, to go out, to bring change, where people be excited about their faith in this city and to speak about it and not stop speaking about it and pray and live boldly despite what will come because we're called to be prophetic men and women of God who proclaim the kingdom in Melbourne. Why don't you stand? I'd love to finish... There's been so much in there. And again, I pray that whatever is of God would remain with you. And Holy Spirit, I know you're speaking and moving right now. And we trust you in that process. But I just want to call out two things as a way to step into this. If we are a people of, who desire the outpouring and the movement of the Holy Spirit, which I believe we are, we are called to be prophets in this time. We are anointed as the prophets were. We're called forward, called to be prophetic where you are in your marriage, prophetic in your singleness, prophetic in your job, without a job, for your children, for the neighbourhoods you're in, you are called to be an image of the kingdom. And so just pray, I would love to pray, feels bold, for an anointing in that, as the prophets were of the Old Testament. And if Jesus was, God did it. It's not me doing it, it's God, just to be clear. And the second one, that we would be imprinted by God's word, that that pathos and that desire wouldn't just be something that we can say but actually would mark us as a people. And so I'd love to offer that to you, just as Jeremiah said in 20 verse 9, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. May we be people like that. So let me pray. If you feel like it, you can receive in whatever way that I'm just going to ask Holy Spirit, this is his work, his kingdom, and Jesus to anoint and imprint us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you've done on the cross, and we thank you that you rose again, and that there is power in that to proclaim your kingdom, that you died for each person in this room, and that you call each person in this room to live as you have lived as a prophet, and may you bring us together, Holy Spirit, as you do. May you unite us to be a prophetic community. And not just here on a Sunday, of course not, but wherever we go. Holy Spirit, as you have anointed the prophets before us and the communities before us, we ask that you would anoint us now to be men and women who not just speak of your kingdom but live it out in boldness and in confidence of who you are. That when we come together, we can't help but worship you, Jesus, and others can't help but see you, Jesus, in that. And secondly, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would imprint us within the depths of our soul, with the very word of God. May it be a fire within as it was for Jeremiah. May it be something we can't help but fan into flame, come to day and night, sit on, dwell on, pray into, encourage others into. Lord, may you imprint this community with your word that was at the beginning of creation that formed us, that brings life, 
I love that it says in your word that when you send out your word, it doesn't come back empty-handed. And so we believe in that as you send us out for your kingdom imprinted. May we leave that imprint wherever we go, in our footsteps, in the things we put our hands to, in the way we speak life to others and love others and welcome them in, and essentially to live like you, Jesus, that perfect prophet who loved God and loved others enough to die and to live for God's word and truth. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you are doing. We declare these things as community, confident in who you are, Lord Jesus. Amen. Oh,